0: Hey everybody it's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday no August 2nd 2015. I am going to have to start out talking about the storyline of the week the biggest reveal the thing that every single person has been talking about. Nikki's hair. <laughs> Nikki got new hair. And let me tell you, I heard a lot of comments this week. I mean, far more than talking about Devon and Hillary, far more about than talking about Jax wanting to reveal the twin twist of Phyllis. Everybody has been talking about Nikki's new short hair. It is Perfect in my opinion. I mean the consensus seems to be yes. This is the hairstyle she should have had 2 years ago. It looks so good. It's short. It's it was styled curly. Um I just think it was very dignified. I I loved it so much. I think it's so appropriate for her. I wish we were seeing this hair like 2 years ago. It's just right on. Thumbs up. Nikki looks good. <laughs> okay, and now I mean everything else is just going to be boring. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) uh well not quite actually I am really really happy with the fact that Devon and and Hillary's story was brought to the forefront this week in fact I love Hillary and Devon together uh I you know it almost seemed like they were happy enough and starting to put the whole incident with Neil behind them and almost like Weiner was maybe gonna sweep it under the rug a little bit but no (laughs) Not quite. I am so on board, and I'm begging, please, YNR, please give us a big, splashy wedding for Devon and Hillary that Neil will ruin. I mean, I was waiting for it from the beginning of the week as Neil was clearly seething with anger, and they're planning this wedding, and I'm just thinking, I want it. Like, I mean, uh, Lily's helping... Uh, Devon and Hillary plan the wedding and they're talking about all the different things they could do. And I'm thinking, ooh, I want to see a wedding. We haven't seen a wedding in so long. But then I just want to see Neil tear it down. And it's not that I don't love uh, Devon and Hillary. I just think it's such a great dramatic opportunity. By the way, as much as I'm enjoying seeing Hillary go through her process of being the happy bride, if I were her, I would never, ever allow Lily help me plan my wedding. I mean, after all of that water has traveled under that bridge, there's no way I would let that woman anywhere near my special day. And in fact, I wouldn't really want Devon's uh, judgmental sister butting up in my wedding day anyway, but uh, she apparently allowed it. It, it, It's like Devon and Hillary and even Lily, everybody's kind of trying to forgive, trying to forget everybody except for Neil. Um, it's, It's just been so beautiful. It's a it's a perfect dynamic um the wedding's really quick it's coming up apparently they're going to be getting married in one week I don't know how much Uh, YNR time, that is. I don't know if we're going to be seeing all of the main fireworks paying off next week, but um, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm kind of enjoying the journey here. And this is this is an example of a storyline that I wish YNR would drag out a little bit because I loved the scene upstairs in Hillary's room where she's with Lauren picking out dresses and she's actually opening up about her feelings. The last time she was married, it didn't quite work out. And she's naturally thinking about all of that. And by the way, just a side note absolutely loved that Lauren was woven into that story which is where she belongs um certainly she's now connected to the Winters family um via Kane but I loved that Lauren was up there looking at Hillary's dresses, seeing how excited Hillary was, and she was starting to think about her relationship with Michael. She had a flashback to her own wedding and Lauren is is heartbroken. She she wants to, you know, be supportive and be positive, but she's just barely holding it together and I loved that as Hillary was opening up to Lauren, Lauren was opening up to Hillary. And Lauren even said how disappointed she was in Michael because he she said something like he he was, you know, Michael was constantly trying to Protect me from him when all I wanted was him, and I thought that was such a poignant way to say it. And I was overjoyed when Lauren, full in, you know, full in the wedding veil regalia, uh, kind of runs downstairs um, amidst all of uh, all of Hillary's wedding stuff, and she bumps into Michael with the veil on her head. And Michael has now completely turned the corner. It was like the second he got what he wanted, the divorce, he changed and now he realized what he did and he wants her back and he made that known I think it was last week there was a scene at the police station and then now uh, here at the athletic club they're running into one another again and he's he said something to her like um I you know seeing you like this reminds me of one of the best days of my life clearly these are two people that still love each other and I was overjoyed to hear Lauren say you know she was she was almost ready to walk away from the conversation she did a second beat and she looks back at him and she says you know you had mentioned that you were willing to that you were willing to move on or you were willing to forgive and I want you to know that I really want to learn to forgive too so it, it was it ended on this note of hope for Michael and Lauren which made me so happy I'm so ready to to get into their reunion. I hate that they divorced. And in fact, I'm still waiting for this twist that maybe Michael didn't actually file the divorce papers, if that's even possible. But I, I'm ready for the Michael and Lauren reunion. In, in some ways, it just their relationship came apart with so little fanfare. And I think YNR owes it to the Michael and Lauren fans to bring it back on a, a big elaborate lo- level. Maybe Michael and Lauren should have the big wedding. I would love to see them renew their vows or have a re-wedding with the, all of the trimmings. That would be so wonderful. But I'll settle for Hillary and Devon for now because we also know, and that's the thing is Devon's loaded. He's got all of this money, and Lily was alluding to that during the planning process, saying you can pretty much have whatever you want because you're rich. And I'm and I'm I'm drooling, I'm salivating over here thinking about oh, we could have this and that and all the flowers and all the decorations, and it could be an epic wedding that's so anticipated, and then Neil could just come crashing through the wall or something and destroy it. Although I had no uh, idea what, w- what would unfold in the week. I had no idea what Neil was actually planning. Um, but for now, I'm kind of on the ride along with Hillary and Devon. And I loved Hillary up in her room after Lauren left, thinking about the thinking about who she is thinking about the journey that she's been on thinking about luck and karma and Neil saying to them out loud um weeks and weeks ago after he found out about the affair that karma's a bitch and you're gonna get it and and then having Neil come up to her room. I mean, she's in the middle of planning a wedding to his son and thinking about Neil, and Neil shows up, and instead of ripping her a new one and being extra judgmental, Neil has this suspicious understanding about him, um, leading Hillary to believe that although he wasn't going to come to the wedding, he wasn't going to interfere with the wedding and that he wanted, you know, everything to be happy and that they gave her a sense of thinking that that Neil actually wanted to move on so <laughs> not quite the case I was completely on board the second that uh, uh, Colin comes up to Devon and says you know what you're getting married we need to throw you a bachelor party I thought yeah let's do it let's have a party let's have some fun I keep I keep wanting these types of, of scenes like I want to see some decorations I want to see some different sets and I'm waiting for something kind of cool to happen and I thought okay a bachelor party could be sort of fun um you know the show is sometime kind of heavy lately, and I thought, oh, this could be kind of lighthearted. So it was Devon and Colin and Kane and Michael up in this new hotel suite. I don't think it was at the athletic club. I'm guessing it was at some other hotel, uh, strategically, I'm sure. And uh, so we see this hotel suite, and there's champagne, and Colin decides to call in some dancers, aka basically prostitutes, I guess, high class prostitutes. Oh, that was so humiliating. The second Colin opened the door, the ladies show up. Every single guy in the room was like, no, thank you. I'll pass. I'm either married or committed or not a scumbag and not really wanting to pay for sex right now. Uh, But I thought, well, you know, oh, well, more for Colin. Maybe he's just going to keep partying on his own. But then this one... Woman comes up to Devon and she starts coming on to him, saying, "Oh, hey, my name is India. Are you ex- interested in exploring India?" Uh, she's all over him. She's touching on his shirt, and he's—I don't even know why—but he's still sorta there, going going along with it. And slowly, we start to see that Devon is feeling lightheaded. He maybe doesn't know where he is, what he's doing and India is all over him. In fact, she gets him up and she leads him into the bedroom where she closes the door and Colin just so happened to be standing there with a phone recording the entire thing. Mm. I, immediately I was so um, shocked because he had this smug look on his face and I thought well what does Colin have it in for Devon? And I started trying to connect the pieces of does this have to do with when uh, the, when um, he was blackmailing him or well why would Colin have a motive for this? And then it completely dawned on me even before it was revealed he's gonna send this to Neil. Uh, this is somehow gonna get back to Neil, but what I, I didn't expect, was that Neil was behind the entire thing. Mm, I almost felt bad for Devon. The very, the next morning, the uh, India, I'm just going to call her India. She was still there in the hotel room. She comes out. She's wanting her money. So this is a prostitute. This was a pre-planned thing. Colin had the money to pay her in an envelope. He already knew what the plan was. He had it already pre-prepared in an envelope in a Victor Newman-esque style. Hands her the cash. She goes off on her way. Devon comes out of the hotel or out of the bedroom part. And, And he's stumbling. He's not really sure what happened. It's gross that it's gross to think that Colin was even there all night. I mean, Devon at this point knows he woke up in a strange place with a strange woman and yuck Colin is there and of course Colin is there to verify Devon's worst fears he lets Devon believe that he cheated on Hillary when uh, separately when he was handed her the money Colin confirmed with the prostitute that they didn't have sex so Colin is just making Devon think this and he even had a line it was so gross I like Colin and it was it was really hard for me to like him in this moment he said yeah I heard everything in fact." I know way more about your sexual appetites than I would care to. I mean, Colin acted disgusted by thinking about what it was Devon was into in bed. That made me really uncomfortable. I Ultimately, I think, like, the Colin character excites me because he's a wild card. We don't expect anything from him. We don't expect Colin to have morals. He's just going to breeze into the scene. He's going to mix things up. He's going to have that really um, light, sm- Attitude, and then he's gonna be on his way. And there is something I appreciate about that type of character more than who Colin is at a pers- as a person, but it was absolutely disgusting what he did to Devon, making Devon think this and throwing Devon into this what did I do moment. I mean, Devon doesn't even know that it was a setup at this point. He doesn't know um, that it's probably going to turn into some kind of blackmail situation or I don't know. Devon doesn't know how this has completely destroyed his life. But I think he really wanted to confess. Right away, because after things break up in that room, he goes back to find Hillary, and Hillary has just been reaffirmed in her decision to marry Devon. She's been through it. She's been thinking all night about, hey, maybe it is my time to be happy. Maybe I don't have to hold myself back, hold back my excitement, and pretend that I don't want this romantic wedding when I really do. I want to be with the man that I love. We, and in fact, earlier in the week, Devon had convinced her we paid for. For what we did we've already paid that price now is the point where we get to enjoy it and just at the moment where Hillary allowed herself to feel comfortable in that confident in that Devon comes back into the room He sees how happy she is, and rather than telling her, he chooses not to, which made me, of course, disappointed in Devon, but the payoff is going to be so much better down the road because downstairs in the athletic club, we see Neil getting a text message or a video message from Colin. It's the video followed by a a little interaction between them where Colin says, did you get the did you get the video? And Neil says, oh, yes, I did. And it becomes quite clear that it was Neil who initiated this whole thing. He bankrolled the whole thing. By the way, I did laugh a little bit at the fact that Colin may, like he or Neil, indicated that he wired Colin the money that uh, that he, obviously he was paying him to enact this dirty deed. And Colin even asked. Um, did you include expenses? Are expenses included? I, I it just there was something about that that made me laugh. That it's not just the blackmail. Colin is in this purely for the money. He wanted to make sure that this was an absolutely lucrative venture for him, and I'm sure it certainly was. Uh, but I, you know, it's it's almost shocking to me that Neil would go to those lengths but think about what they did to him think about being blind and having your son and your wife having an affair behind your back. There's no excuse for what Hillary and Devon did to them. Love is not a a good enough, a big enough excuse for what they did to Neil and we may have kind of forgotten about it as the story has died down and I think most people seem to like the dynamic between Hillary and Devon but there's no reason that Neil should have forgotten about it. And we've gotten little clues throughout the past few weeks that Neil is uh, is, is dark, that he's having these dark fantasies about them. And oh, I think it's going to be even darker than we thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, as far as Neil's intentions, um, I almost wonder if Neil was hoping initially that Devon would confess to Hillary because after Devon didn't tell Hillary there was a scene upstairs um, at the sky bar where uh, Devon and Hillary were sitting and Neil comes up and the fact that they're still friendly tells Neil everything he needs to know that Devon did not confess that Devon decided to keep this yet another lie he decided to tell yet another lie um, this time to Hillary and you know Neil had this moment of okay okay I see I see what this is so these two people are walking around town talking about how reformed they are and Neil knows otherwise they are still lying or at least Devon is and I think Neil has everything he needs now to completely blow it up he gave his son kind of a chance I mean he set up the whole situation but he gave him kind of a chance to to to, to work his way out of it I guess because Neil's intention is to stop the wedding is that what the initial intention is to just stop the wedding and, and, and maybe um, and have kind of a lesser crime because Nikki's been talking to Neil throughout the week, trying to talk him down from the ledge as he is confessing to really having these dark fantasies about uh, Devon and Hillary. So maybe that was his way of just sort of nudging the whole the whole setup with Devon. Maybe was his way of nudging the wedding toward a, a screeching halt. But now I think now that we've entered in a lie into it, now that Devon's lied to her about it, I think Neil is seeing an opportunity to enact a larger real revenge. And I don't know if that's true. He may have been planning the larger revenge all along. But what about Neil's weird ass duct tape fantasy? That was bizarre. I mean, I I couldn't even believe what I was watching on the scene. Neil is thinking about revenge on these two people and thinking about something and doing it are two different things. So I don't necessarily think it indicates that Neil is resolved in his idea to go through with something maniacal. But the fact that his dream, his fantasy was to see Devon and Hillary get to their wedding day to get down the aisle to be ready to say their vows, but their mouths are duct taped shut Oh, that is dark. Can you even imagine thinking that about a, a tra- somebody that you, use, you think of as a son, and that you I could see him thinking about it with Hillary. She's the wife who betrayed him, but your son? I mean, there was just something about seeing that, seeing their mouths duct-taped shut that was so shocking to me, but clearly Neil is uh, planning to, or wanting, or now has an excuse to let them go through almost get married before he drops the Bomb of the century. What are you guys thinking about Kane and Lily? Is this a couple that that you're rooting for? I I feel like I I like Lily and Kane. I would like them to stay together, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Kane is taking every opportunity that he can find to needle Lily. I mean, he drunk. He's drinking. He drunkenly interrupts uh, L- Lily while she's doing wedding planning with Devon and Hillary just to dress her down in front of everyone. He is not missing a single opportunity to let everyone know that she betrayed him and basically that he thinks she's, um, well, that she's kind of a slut or something, you know, that she's the infidel. She's the one who betrayed him. And although... I think that Kane has a right to be mad. Of course, of course. His wife cheated on him, although he did contribute to that whole sequence of events by by pursuing what I think still is an inappropriately close relationship with Lauren favoring Lauren um, I understand why what happened I understand the circumstances around it he has a right to be mad he has a right to leave Lily if what he wants to do is divorce her there's no reason on earth why he is not justified in his feelings to do so and and frankly I kind of of like seeing this side of Cain. I like that he's being aggressive. I like that he's standing up for himself. I like that he's not just rolling over and letting his love for Lily, um, you know, just uh, um, wash over any of the sins that she would have committed. But on the negative side, Cain <laughs> is not an innocent flower in this relationship. Uh, I, I mean, un- unless... I'm forgetting something or remembering incorrectly. I mean, Cain maybe never cheated on her, but he certainly did lie to her about his identity. By the way, notice that Colin called him Ethan this week. There was a brief little scene where Colin called him Ethan, and I, I almost think that was a little um, seed to help us remember. Cain lied to Lily about his identity, about his whole life, about who he was, and not only that, but he allowed her to think that he was dead, for months. Remember, we went through a long phase in Lily and Kane's relationship where it was constantly him lying to her. It was just her finding out about lie after lie after lie, and she forgave him. And now the tables have turned a little bit, and it, Lily's not repeatedly lying. She had one indiscretion, and he refuses to even think about, about forgiving her. That was the straw that broke the that this proverbial camel's back. This is the one thing he was not able to forgive. And now we're starting to see the beginnings of Lily and Joe's relationship. And you know, all signs point to Kane is moving forward with this divorce even though Lily doesn't want it, but I think Lily feels so bad about herself right now that any positive attention from a man is maybe helping her to get through although I don't even know why you would want to be 10 feet in Joe's radius when he's the reason that your marriage broke up I mean I don't I don't I never got the impression that there was some intense um, connection between Lily and Joe when when they had sex it was completely circumstantial Lily had been drinking so I don't know why she would give him the time of day I don't know why Lily always gets all of the hunkiest men on the show because I would be real happy if I just had to choose between Kane and Joe if that was where I was in my life I would be absolutely over the moon thank you maybe I'll have one of each please (laughs) I'll have Kane on Monday Tuesday Wednesday and (laughs) I'll have Joe the rest of the week fine by me well, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Do you feel any chemistry between Lily and Joe? Uh, They had a little date this week. I was shocked that she would even agree to it. And of course, he sneaks a kiss in on her and Kane happens to come into the room and sees uh, at that very moment. So I I don't know. I don't know. You let me know how you feel about uh, Joe and Lily. Let me know how you feel about Lily and Kane. I know uh, it seems like YNR fans are very mixed on Lily and Kane. A lot of people people wanted them broken up for a long time um, and a lot of people uh, love them I mean I think they have as many fans as they do uh, people who just want to see them done so let me know where you stand on that either way it almost seems to me that um, we're not gonna be able to stop this train uh, Kane did have a moment of I don't know. I guess um, somewhat calming down on his position with Lily because he did finally acknowledge to her, "Look, you're a good mom. I I think we should have shared custody of the children." But it was this tender moment between them where Lily was wanting more. I think she was really hoping that Cain was going to say that he forgave her, but um, he's really standing firm on uh, on his position that maybe divorce is the answer. I do think that Chelsea and Adam are probably one of the most compelling couples on the show. The, the push, the pull, the love, the hate, all of those elements are what goes into a really, really strong soap couple. It's kind of funny. I've been watching, um, well, old episodes of a show called Moonlighting. I don't know if anybody remembers it. I think it aired um, maybe late 80s, it starred Sybil Shepard and, and Bruce Willis, and they just, had this incredible chemistry on scene. I mean, it's just uh, undeniable. And they're watching that series, um, kind of revisiting that series. I watched it when it aired, and now I'm just kind of going back and wanting to get into it because I love Sybil Shepard, whose daughter was on YNR for a a certain period as uh, she played Mackenzie for a while. Um, But there's something about that dynamic that reminds me of Adam and Chelsea. They have this just um, really... uh, undeniable chemistry I think both between the actors and just in the legacy of the story and it's taken me a long time to get to that point I didn't always love Adam and Chelsea together um, because I was an Adam and Sharon fan as you know but um, I do really enjoy them to this day and I was absolutely shocked that Adam decided to come out to Chelsea and tell her the truth about Sage's baby he didn't even have to I mean, he straight up tells her that Sage's baby, you know, might not be Nick's, or he admits that there was a a question about whether or not uh, Nick was actually the father, and I was just absolutely floored. He did not have to tell her. He could have, you know, he found out last week that, you know, Nick tells him he is the father. Adam could have easily just swept that information under the rug. He did not have to blow up the fact that he slept with Sage, but he did, and Chelsea found you know chelsea's like are you kidding me i mean to her it's just another lie just another betrayal if i were her i would be so done with him that's not to say that i don't enjoy them for the show but if it were me if i were in her uh fashionable shoes fashionable very expensive shoes i would have left him a while ago All that being said, by the way, I thought she looked great in that bright red jumpsuit. How great did Chelsea look this week? I mean, jumpsuits must be back. Remember a couple weeks ago when Lily was wearing that funky jumpsuit and now Chelsea just looks so good and bright fire engine red. I loved uh, I loved the tone of the gold necklace that she had on Um, her hair was perfect. It just looked good. I loved like the cut. The cut of the jumpsuit had a little um, almost like V slit. I love V-necks. Um, and it just looked so, so good. Um, Gosh, the fashion was just on point this week. Maybe everything just comes full circle, because jumpsuits were a little more in, maybe in the 80s, and I don't know, it's sort of, or maybe late, I don't know. I don't know, but like, a couple years ago, wearing a jumpsuit would not have been real fresh, but um, seems to be now. Uh, Anyway, so Chelsea finds out about this, she storms out on Adam um, at at the athletic club, goes back to her apartment, and of course Adam shows up there he's at the door he's practically wanting to beat it down I mean he's groveling saying you know I'm sorry you know he's got every you know any number of excuses as to why he did what he did but she shuts him down which I liked to see I like to see that even though, I, even though this couple works I like to see Chelsea not just rolling over and giving in to him because how many other women on the show do that it seems that you know people go off and do something bad and then they just get forgiven right away and I do like that Chelsea is standing up to someone who she loves it's probably the hardest thing that she's ever had to do to know that he's there to have mourned him to love him to have lost him and now to have this opportunity to be back with him but to realize that it's just not going to work she even goes uh, as far as to say to him I'm sorry Connor and I are better without you I can't imagine how difficult that was for her to say. I can't imagine how difficult that was for Adam to hear, but he has no choice and he decides to leave. Now, just as Adam has left, Paul shows up with a warrant for Gabe. Paul's still trying to get to the bottom of this whole mess with Jack's shooting, and is it connected to the murder? I don't know. Poor Paul. Poor Paul and his life. He shows up with this warrant for Gabe um, and for Gabe's arrest, but apparently he's gone. Adam is gone. We are learning that he is you know, he's broken his uh, the terms of his release um, and he's just splitsville. Chelsea realizes this and she goes to Jack's thinking that maybe Adam would be there. She knows that Jack knows his true identity so she starts to talk to Jack Um, and in fact I was worried. Phyllis was upstairs in the bedroom. I thought oh my gosh is Phyllis going to come down and hear this because Phyllis is going to be very upset. Everyone's going to be very upset when they find out not only that Adam Newman is alive but that Jack lied about it so I was all nervous during that scene but Chelsea ended up just kind of having a quiet heart to heart with Jack Um, and I think that's maybe the first time she confirmed on him about knowing um knowing Gabe's real identity but it was a really great scene uh and Chelsea sort of uh, well Jack certainly explained where he was coming from and why he chose to keep the secret and Chelsea is telling Jack you know you don't have to keep the secret I've I'm done with it this is not going to happen I'm not going to get back together with him frankly Adam Newman was better off when we thought he was dead and not only just for me um, for our son, too. He's, you know, he's really nothing but trouble. This is causing trouble. It's bringing danger into our home. And it was, a you know, of course, a very, again, difficult thing for Chelsea to say. And we zoom, we, we zoom over into another room of the house and Adam is there and he has overheard Chelsea saying all of that. So now Adam realizes he doesn't have anything left for him there. And it's one thing if Chelsea doesn't want to be with him. But I I think he's not about to give up on his son and he's not about to let Chelsea just keep uh, the reins for for Connor. He wants to know him. So um gosh, next thing we know, Adams in the car with Connor. He's basically kidnapping him saying hey, it's just you and me now kid and he's driving off into the night I thought oh my gosh this is going to be huge I can't I I. I, I mean is Adam going to go on the run is this going to end up leading to his identity whoa it's just like going to be another thing to add to his rap sheet but before you know it Adam's you know bringing uh, well matter of fact Chelsea comes home uh, to where Anita was supposed to be babysitting and realizes that he's gone realizes that Adam must have took him before she could get out the door and call 911 Adam shows back up he brings Connor home um, and uh, I mean, well he was just I don't know decided is decided against it I don't know why he decided not to he was damn well gonna take the kid and then uh, better sense came over him and he decided not to and I think gosh if there ever was a last straw for Chelsea that had to be it I mean she's she's she just realized what a, a loose cannon he is not only has he done all of the things that he's done up until this point but now he almost took my son. Done. and she says to him I can't do this anymore I cannot keep setting myself up to be disappointed by you I'm done and I was with her I totally you know I mean obviously the story is not done but I was with her in that moment like yes I would have left him I would have been done with him too no doubt Ugh. just on a little side note here because um, <laughs> it's not even a big deal it's not. It's not even gonna amount to a big deal. I knew Paul was gonna have a heart attack. Paul is trying to figure out where Gabe is. Is he on the lam? Um, he's gone back to the police station, and and he's you know getting himself all worked up over the case. Chris is trying to calm him down. The man was sweating. I mean, you could see the beads on his face, and I thought he's gonna. He's de- this is gonna. He's gonna collapse on the floor in about a second, and of course he did. He has to get rushed off to the hospital. Uh, he's had a heart attack. So I guess he'll just be there for the next couple of days Uh, and while Paul is uh, off in the um, in the uh, hospital uh, Adam decides that he's going to turn himself in if Chelsea's done with him he just decides, I gotta, I, I have to take responsibility for my actions. Finally, he goes to the police, he turns himself in, um, instead of Paul, he gets Detective Harding, which I was very tickled by, I liked it, um, he certainly took that opportunity to needle, uh, Gabe as much as possible, uh, and, um, I enjoyed every moment of it, but now we have the moment of the dreaded, uh, fingerprints. As soon as Gabriel Bingham gets fingerprinted, they're gonna realize that he's Adam Newman, which is, I'm sorry, Surprised that he didn't go to the trouble of burning off his fingertips or having the um, the the plastic surgeon reconstruct. When, you know, while you're reconstructing someone to look exactly like someone else, why not just reconstruct their fingerprints as well? Why not go all the way with this craziness? Um. <laughs> But no, uh, just as Adam's hand is getting ready for the fingerprints, uh, Harding gets a phone call and it's someone saying, demanding it's a judge or somebody, some judge, I think, demanding uh, his release. So he gets off scot-free and we all now realize that uh, at least this part of the story or his identity, this part of the story is over, his identity is safe for now because it was Jack who saved his hide. Of course, I loved Jack's tearful homecoming. Nobody can really chew a scenery like Peter Bergman. I it just he, he says so much without saying anything. The moment he walked into the Abbott Mansion for the first time now, you know, feeling that the uh, the Marco danger is at least uh, mostly removed and just having that moment of being able to return to the the Abbott Mansion as himself, um, starting to pick up the what's left of his life. Um, I, I loved seeing him look around the room. Um, I loved seeing him uh, ha- have uh, just notice the picture on the mantle that was Phyllis with the, the Jack lookalike and just I, such a, a bittersweet reunion. Um, I mean, so many happy memories, but this really insidious memory or quote unquote memory uh, for Phyllis, anyway, that's now injected into that life. Um, I, I just I thought it was a great um, mixed emotion reunion. Uh, I'm sure he's not, he's, I'm sure he's not going to be too happy when he has a reunion with his bank account by the way because I bet Marco pretty much blew through a pretty penny or two um because it was funny Billy mentioned the Ferrari incident and Jack didn't quite know what he was talking about but I'm sure he's going to be ticked off to find out he bought a Ferrari on his credit card probably (laughs) or cash um so he is really wanting, Jack is really wanting to just sink back into his comfortable life he's wanting to sink back into his life with Phyllis but it's not going to be as easy as, as he was hoping it was going to be I mean Jack's dreamed of his reunion with her since he was chained to the bed in some godforsaken Caribbean hut uh, and now he's finally back with her and it's, it's um, it is also there's an insidious uh, sort of thread that's um, now woven into that relationship too um, they go upstairs and they make love and after uh, and, and, and I guess the thing is Jack and Phyllis are making love and it's a very slow paced love making you can tell that Jack is looking at her wanting to savor every single moment which is a stark um, uh, um, um, uh, starkly different um, um, I, don't, I usually have don't have as hard of a time Choosing my words, Um, but uh, it's starkly different from uh, the crazed. Uh, love making that Phyllis experienced with Marco and after Jack and Phyllis make love there's this scene where she falls asleep uh, but she's still awake or making him think that she's uh, asleep and she's thinking about how different that was so I mean Phyllis has to know that something is up everything about Jack's personality has now slowed down it's gone back to where it was before I don't know if there's a part of Phyllis that sort of misses the excitement um but it's it's obviously very awkward between them. Jack is trying to do everything he can do to um, to, to to reconnect with Phyllis uh, while not telling her the truth about what really went down—that there were two Jacks. So he decides that he wants to go back to Istanbul. This was kind of the last time that they went away together and that they were, you know, really able to connect. Because even the wedding, when they went away, that is a source of intense pain for Jack. So he takes her back to in- Istanbul, and what a coincidence! They he he's able to get the exact same set. I I mean the exact same hotel suite as last time. (laughs) That was a while ago. That was that was Michelle Stafford still in the role when they were in Istanbul. Um, but um, it was it was nice to see them back there trying to recapture it. I mean, and but the problem is Phyllis is constantly going on and on about the life that they've shared together after the marriage, and Jack knows that he had nothing to do with that. Can you? imagine how every time Phyllis says something about a happy memory that she's had within the last couple of months, can you imagine how that must turn Jack's stomach? And it's strange because as he is starting to it's starting to come to a boil, she's wanting to remember things that he's wanting to forget and he's wanting to gloss over things that she really cherishes Uh, and I almost detected a note of Jack being a little bit resentful of the fact that Phyllis couldn't distinguish between the two of them I wonder if you guys picked up on that too and I almost think that's maybe what um what really catapulted him to the next level of needing to tell the truth I think he just can't bear to keep the truth from her any longer as well and and maybe thinking that a part of her needed to know what had gone on but he finally can't hold it in any longer and he just tells her look the reason why you notice such a, a big difference between my personality then and my personality now is because there are there were two there were two Jack Abbots <laughs> and it's something obviously that he was wanting to tell her while he was in the, ho- the hospital um, writing the number two on the on that little piece of paper. But I was pretty shocked. Um, I wasn't expecting him to just come out and tell her there was a part of me that thought maybe that secret might just get swept under the rug. And I was fine with it. But you know, he and there was even another again, that was the last cliffhanger on Friday's show. And I thought to myself, I bet some they'll get interrupted. There'll be some reason why he doesn't end up telling her the whole truth. But then the previews for Monday's show have her completely reacting to it and realizing it so um, I guess the secret is going to be coming out in full force next week I'll tell you right now I would not want to be in Victor Newman's shoes after Phyllis finds out because when they get when she finds out what has happened to her and then who was behind it she's going to go back to Genoa City she's going to march up to Victor's office and she is going to rip his throat out with her taste and she's going to be right to apparently, both Noah and Marissa are incapable of wiping their own mouths. (laughs) Last week, we had Noah bringing Marissa chicken soup, and when she can't wipe her own mouth, he takes a a little uh, napkin and he gets her mouth Oh, oh, let me help you with that. And then this week, he brings her this big silver platter, uh, and underneath of it are these beef sliders. Wisconsin, probably with some Wisconsin cheese on them, I think he said. Uh, And he wants to reveal to her some of the the finery of Midwestern food and in order to show her how delicious they are he takes a big bite out of the beef slider slider, but oh he's got ketchup on his mouth and so Marissa has to come and wipe his mouth too. What is it whiner about this? Why why is this romantic? (laughs) And what is it with these two people? They can't freaking feed themselves correctly? It was weird. Uh, But uh, of course I'm loving Noah and Marissa. I think it's such an unexpected and just sweet twist Um, I'm still wondering what exactly the connection between Marissa and Victor is going to be I I I don't know. I almost kind of wonder if there's any chance that Marissa's going to end up being Victor's daughter or something. I don't know. I am i can't help looking for what the twist is, is going to be because there was certainly a connection there uh, or I'm thinking maybe is Victor going to hook up with her or what? I don't know. I'm not sure. I have, no circums- I have no evidence to support this and please don't tell me if you know what it is but I'm just speculating here. Um, so Marissa is of course being being brought in to tie up loose ends on the Courtney and Austin's murder storyline Kevin and Marissa or excuse me Kevin and um Oh, good Lord. Mariah. Mariah and Marissa. That's going to be a hard one for me to keep straight. Kevin and Mariah are not fooled. They're not quite as blinded uh, toward Marissa as Noah is. And they decide that they want to double check her story about what happened that night at the lake. So Mariah and Kevin, get their scuba gear. And they go scuba diving to the bottom of the lake. And they miraculously find the car. And the problem is, as we kind of predicted last week, they find the car, but they don't find the body. They do not find Marco, which I think is just YNR's way of um, kind of just sort of leaving this story on a note that Marco might still be out there. Um, I don't think we're, I don't know, I, th- I feel like we're done seeing the twins. I don't know why. I feel like that was just their way of leaving it open. Uh, but I-, I guess there's a part of me that just feels shocked by all, but that we're still talking about all of this. Um, Kevin and Marissa come back to, uh, Noah and they, t- and Marissa and tell them that they didn't find the body and they decide that they want to go to the police and, turn it over, turn the information over. They turn it over to Detective Harding. Detective Harding comes in. He questions Marissa. He's suspicious of her. Everybody's wondering, you know, what does Marissa have any involvement? Um, is Marco not dead? Is he going to come back for Marissa and for the rest? Um, I, I, I just the whole thing is so done and tired for me. I loved, though, that uh, Detective Harding made some kind of comment about uh, about Mariah and Kevin. Um, doing the Scooby-Doo gang thing, which really tickled me because we've been saying that here. I thought, did they get that line from YNR chatters? I doubt it. But we've been calling him the Scooby-Doo gang hero since day one, and then it was kind of funny to see him saying that. Um, I'm probably entirely a coincidence because it's such a clear parallel. But um, but I, I did, I was tickled by that, but not tickled by the fact that we're still talking about this story all these months later. Was anybody else shocked that Nick had a total change of heart when it comes to Sage? I, I, I really, he was furious last week with her that she kept the paternity test results from him and then this week he really switched it all around it I think it was Monday's show she had uh, her Sage had a doctor's appointment and she was waiting 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 to see if Nick was going to join her and he never came and there was a part of me that thought well I guess this is over now um Nick was furious and then maybe an episode later or maybe it was later in that episode he completely had a change of heart he tells Sage Age, you know, you had every right to turn to someone else. I get it. And I want to be with you, even if the baby wasn't mine. Which I'm still wondering if there's any chance there's a switcheroo going on there. I don't I don't believe paternity results anytime they're, they're they get revealed on this show. I think there's still very much possibility that Adam could be the baby's father. But I just I, I'm I'm surprised that Sage and Nick are still gonna go strong. But I think it's gonna be a plot point for a larger, more uh, more 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 scary story with Sharon, but I'll talk about that later. Um, I want to just focus in on Nick for a second because um, I was also surprised that Victor comes back to Newman Enterprises. He's back in the chair now. And Nick immediately tells Victor, I'm out. (laughs) If you're back, I'm out. I was only here to help secure the company while you were gone, but I, this is not where I belong. This is not where I want to be. Good instinct, Nick. Really good instinct. You should have got out while the getting was good, but of course, um, Victor ends up changing his mind. Victor will say anything. He will do anything to keep Nick Close. Um, and, and now, I mean, for crying out loud, Victor's come out very well on top of all of this. He's gotten almost everything he wanted. I mean, he certainly got a piece of Jack's company. Now he's got all his children working under him. I mean, think Victor Newman, for, for where he is right now, is sitting pretty good. Uh, but it made me annoyed, of course, with Victor during that scene with Nick. Um, Nick tells Victor, I don't really want to be involved in this company because you don't really tell me everything. You you always keep me in the dark. And so Victor says, "All right, I'll I'll tell you what happened to the park that night." And it just amounted to Victor throwing Nick a bone of information. I don't think Victor told Nick anything more than he told Victoria, just that, just basically that he had found out months and months prior that there was going to be an attack upon the con- uh, there was going to be a, an attack upon his company, an attack upon uh, his. Family and he was not going to allow it. So he was, I guess, preemptively striking against Jack. Or he did admit that um, um, that, that he was working behind Jack's back the entire time uh, when uh, the merger happened. So big deal. Everybody pretty much knew that. I just I was annoyed that Victor only gives Nick enough. And it's the same way with Nikki. Everybody. He only gives them enough information to keep them sated. You know, just enough to what you need to know to not completely turn on him. It's so annoying. It was annoying to see Nick stand there and completely change his values. Nick has been the guy who was not the, the anti-Victor for so long. Um, he was like the the you know, if you watch Bold and the Beautiful, it was kind of like the d- dynamic between Bill and Liam. They're they're pretty opposite, and I liked that Nick was like, I don't want to be a part of this fast-paced lifestyle. I just want to run my bar. I want to do my thing. Thing. I want to be the alternative, Nick um, and I don't want to end up being like my father and my mother and and so he was kind of doing his own thing and now he's standing there telling Victor um, that he, he wants to give him ground rules for staying at Newman Enterprises and the ground rules are first of all I'm not your pawn in this whole game with uh, Jack or anybody else and second of all just because I work for you it doesn't give you a license to run my life well yeah right on both accounts Victor's gonna to do both of those things in fact he was testing those waters immediately Nick should know better Victor it's weird um it's really weird because there was a brief scene early in the week I think it was even on Monday's show where Nikki had basically forgiven Victor I guess she's just forgiven Victor now <laughs> They are so back and forth. I can't even keep straight whether or not they're together. But they showed up together having a meal and they were talking and Nikki was challenging Victor a little bit about the way he's always talking about how important it is to be a Newman. And she said to him, you you tell me what what does it mean? to be a Newman? What does that mean? Because it's not just the name. What is it that you think that means? And I was really tickled to see that that was a question that was brought up on Monday's show. And on Friday, at the very end of that conversation with Nick, Victor reveals uh, the answer to that question. And he looks Nick dead in the face and he says, what does it mean to be a Newman? It means you, you defend who you love at all costs. And it seemed very um, revealing to me. I loved that it was a thread that... Everything's a thread this week, but I loved that it tied in from Monday to Friday. Um, and I just think that... There's so much more to the story with Marco. I I feel like is getting ready to write a backstory. um, Getting ready to write uh, something that happened prior to the whole Marco thing that maybe is going to explain. I mean, they gave us that weird teaser about the Paragon project last week. I mean, what the heck's that? They brought that up, didn't follow up on it, and then Victor alluded to the fact that he was aware, he'd become aware of a plot to take away his family and his company and blah. I feel like we're getting ready to to have a prequel to this story as if it were bad enough the origin the the story now we're
1: gonna get the prequel
0: Sharon just so happens to be at the hospital for her first ultrasound at the exact same time that Sage is at the hospital there's something about this is very very fishy to me and frankly, the way Sharon is being so nice to Sage is fishy to me. I mean, there it was, it was really funny. Uh, there was a scene where Sage is freaking out over the fact that she, you know, Nick hasn't arrived at her doctor's appointment uh, and Sage lets slip that she thinks her and Nick's relationship is not as strong anymore and Sharon said, well, hey, it's not like you lied to him about his daughter's DNA test. <laughs> that was great. That was a really- Really great throw in, and I appreciated that a lot. But I just keep thinking something is really, really off here. Um, I, uh, you know, uh, I've been thinking throughout this Sharon's pregnant throughout Sharon's pregnancy that she's not really pregnant. I mean, I've felt very, very sure that there's I, there's just no way she's pregnant. But then Dylan shows up for the ultrasound. They go in, they see the baby on the screen uh, for the for the you know together, and I just thought hmm how is I guess she is pregnant I'm I'm shocked I mean the baby was right there on the screen um I don't know how you could how that could be a mistake but this what I know is that two pregnancies at the same time plus Sharon off her meds equals a recipe for disaster. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And it, But the thing is, it's so weird because Sharon seems so stable right now, doesn't she? It's like she oh, she's so wise. And she's talking to Sage. And that conversation with Sage just was so, um, wh- I don't know, I just got a wise vibe from her. Like, she would learned from her mistakes. Well, why is she being so, um, stable when she's off her meds. But then later... Um, there was a scene at the coffee house between her and Dylan they're looking at the photo of their baby from the sonogram and it should be this happy joyous occasion and instead Sharon freaks out and kind of almost breaks up with him and I don't know if that was a function of her not being on her meds or if it was just a self sabotage moment but Dylan had to talk her down from that ledge Um, and so I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen with them the, something weird is gonna have to happen with Sharon and Dylan is also he is so all in he's very almost clingy uh, I know a lot of people love Dylan and Sharon I'm I, I to me it's just always been too fast too fast too fast and I will freaking bet you that we are stepping into the very beginnings maybe next week maybe the ne- week after I don't know but the very beginnings of Sharon and Dylan now just magically deciding to get married I thought the scene at the hospital with Stitch and the Marine veteran... Was a little schmaltzy at, at first when I saw it. You know, this there's this um, sort of disgruntled vet in the hospital, um, and he's being a, a little aggressive with one of the nurses, and Stitch steps in, and he just happens to know and be able to detect that the guy is uh, is a veteran, and um, that you know he, he he he's this is someone he can connect with, and Stitch steps in, and he he just takes over control of the situation and is very um, empathetic with the guy. And we got this really feel good vibe from Stitch. And I thought it just seemed kind of like isolated and bizarre. And why is Weiner doing this? And then (laughs) after having this really meaningful moment with the vet, with this veteran, somebody who has seen the harshness of of war. Stitch comes back to the athletic club to have a little dinner or drinks with Abby and is trying to share this experience with her and talk through what he's been through. Uh, I mean, because that's a real issue. That's actually, you know, if it was um, a legitimate, we're going to do a storyline about vets and PTSD like that is legit. Um, And I think that's a story that could completely be told because, I I mean, we know, like, veterans in this country, they have trouble getting medical care. There's a lot of PTSD that goes undiagnosed. I mean, it's a real, real issue. So I'm not trying to take away from that. I just thought YNR was doing a little isolated incident to make us feel good about Stitch, and I thought, well, that's weird. But then Stitch sits down to share this experience with Abby, and she actually compares... (laughs) what Stitch is talking about, the camaraderie of soldiers who've been through something, to her camaraderie with Gabe at Newman Enterprises. What? Yeah, that hasn't been probably one of the best moments of the week for me, because the look on Stitch's face, it was, it was just incredible. I think for the first time, Stitch had this very real moment of, wow, What do I really have in common with this person who is sitting across the table from me right now? It was written all over his face and also written on his face was, yeah, gee, I'd also prefer to be smooching on her mother instead. And that brings us to time for comments. Uh, Gina left me a voicemail. Uh, Gina in Australia says, three cheers for Nikki's hairdo. (laughs) That made me laugh. I was so happy and thrilled to see everybody giving cheers to to Nikki's hair. It surely was the story of the week. Uh, Katie on Facebook, great comment says, so glad Stitch uh, is finally seeing Abby for the vain narcissistic princess she is. Comparing a business relationship to Stitch's Marine friends. I honestly didn't think Abby could do or say anything stupor, stupider, but she is always full of surprises and herself. Oh, it's such a good comment. I felt the same way. Bobby on Facebook says, "What the heck is Abby saying to Stitch when he was remembering the war and his fallen soldier brothers, comparing that to her relationship with Gabe? Who would ever say that? It is shocking. And that was a great breaking moment for for uh, Stitch and Abby. I'd love to know if anybody's sad about that. Is there anybody? Is, are there any Stitch and Abby fans? Feel free to talk. I'm not gonna like dress you down or nothing. If you like them, tell me why. Um, uh, I think certainly though that relationship is, is headed toward demise. Um, Um, Oh, uh, Daisy on Facebook says, I think there's a chance that Sharon paid off the ultrasound technician and she's not really pregnant. I've seen nothing to say that this happened, but I'm not buying the loving, understanding, helpful Sharon. She is behaving so odd to me. Hide the matches, Sage, and your baby. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I agree. I don't know. The ultrasound thing throws me off because I almost wonder if Sharon's going to end up losing the baby and think that Dylan is going to leave her because of it. And then she tries to pull some kind of crazy switcheroo with Sage's baby. That might actually be it. I don't know. Uh, NippyFan100 left me a voicemail that said, What spell does Nick have over women that turns these women from being headstrong into weaklings? It happened with Sharon. She started off um, being very headstrong, you know, kind of going head to head with with Nikki uh, into the the wavy woman we know now. It happened with Sage. It even happened with Phyllis. Um, It's such a good point. It really is. I think the women in Nick's life are just just so desperate to keep him for some reason. Um, oh Gary! left me a voicemail. uh, And I loved this comment because I never would have thought about it. Uh, He was watching the Adam uh, kidnapping storyline and he immediately says, left a voicemail that said another Connor kidnapping. And he didn't, Gary didn't elaborate on that point, but it totally flashed me back to the fact that Connor's been kidnapped three times already. It happened with uh, Dylan Had a PTSD thing, fit, and ran away with Connor. Then Chloe had a crazy fit and ran away with Connor. And now Adam. (laughs) <laughs> I never would have thought about it that if you hadn't said it, and so I'm so glad you did, because what is up with people wanting to uh, kidnap this poor kid? And it is also weird. Uh, Gary had mentioned about how kidnapping storylines used to actually take some time, but it's just something that soaps don't do anymore. That, that, that kidnapping, both, in fact, all three of those kidnappings, I'm in thinking, oh, this is where the storyline's headed now, and it's not. They're resolved the next day. I don't know if maybe there's some sensitivity issues that Weiner has to work around, where they they can't really go full on with a kidnapping, um, but they certainly don't really um, they don't really do it all up anymore. One other thing too, Gary um, had uh, Gary had called in and read me an article from Soap Opera Digest about uh, it was an interview with a set decorator, really really interesting. Um, if you guys uh, read Soap Opera Digest, and um, I, I the the set decorator was talking about all of the meticulous detail that they do to to break down and create the the sets that we see every single day and and that everything has to be in its place because viewers notice if even the littlest things are out of order. I'm not that viewer personally. I mean if it looks anywhere near as close as, I, as it was last time, I'm fine. I would never notice the, the tiniest knickknack being uh, removed from a scene but I guess a lot of people do. But the one thing maybe Gary, you can tell me this because Gary worked at YR uh, for a period. Um, I want to say I think it' was like 78 79. Uh, worked as a page at, at YNR, and the one thing I've always wondered about the YNR sets is all of the floral arrangements are they real? If anybody could tell me that, Gary, or anybody, if you guys happen to know, YNR has these most beautiful flowers in every single room. I am always stunned. I love flowers. So I'm always stunned by the gorgeous floral arrangements and I always think are they fake? Because it would be a lot of money to have to bring in fresh flowers for those scenes every single time. So I want to know how swank YNR actually is or are they using fakies? Somebody please tell me, are the are the flowers on YR for real? Uh, Granati and Candy on YouTube says I wanted Jack to screw over Victor as soon as he woke up and now that he isn't I'm pissed <laughs> he better have a darn good plan up his sleeves I picked this comment because I feel exactly the same way. Um, it's it's almost annoying to me that whatever Jack's revenge is going to be is going to be dragged out. I mean, I think we have sort of wrapped up one part of this Jack versus Victor story and now we're entering into another and I, there's a part of me that wonders is Jack really going to do a revenge thing or is it another one of those things that Wiener just sort of has somebody say and then it never really comes to fruition? I don't know. Are we actually going to see Jack enact some kind of- of revenge on victor um rocks 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 grace on youtube says "Allie, i have to tell you i am experiencing extreme victor fatigue i think the character is taking way too much screen time i found myself muting the, the victor jack scenes in jack's hospital room i just couldn't deal with the smugness the mumbling the retcon huge sigh i need a victor break Ally the Paragon Project is a rewrite. It never happened. It's yet again another retcon. I love this comment too because um, I was not aware of what retcon was. uh, But I, unless I'm wrong, it's where um, it's in 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 story continuity. Continuity. It's where people rewrite the continuity of a story. And I loved. If anybody has like a really good um, example of other retcons that we've had on YNR, I leave it because I I I would leave it in a comment because I would love to hear it. I think it's such interesting. It's where it's kind of where they go back and they sort of revise. And I guess it happens all the time, but I really think you're right. Uh, I think that the Paragon Project is a preview of the prequel we're going to get. Um, oh, just one one other thing uh, here, kind of on a unresolved stories note. Three different people mentioned to me this week that they think Sage was the person who was driving the car that hit Delia. I'm like trying to give up. I'm trying to just give up on the who killed Delia storyline thing because it just has not gone anywhere. I've spent the last what two years wondering when they were gonna actually have somebody other than Adam have kill, have killed Delia. So I've just kind of given up on it. But I thought it was odd that. Three Three different people said that this week um that maybe sage's motive for having uh for giving adam the uh the the new face might have had to do with the fact that she was the one who really uh killed delia um and then also diana left me a, a voicemail for the first time yeah cool hi diana um and asked if, if she think if i think austin could be the real killer um, he certainly had motive to rape Avery and of course uh, he could have been the one to uh, and it would have had a motive to kill Courtney. It's it's kind of another situation where I I just sort of ha- I, I was sure that Austin and Courtney were still alive and I'm just sort of slowly coming along to the the, the belief that I guess they just can't be alive but I don't know if YNR is going to pick back up that storyline uh, then I wish they'd just do it and get it over with and this whole time we're going round and round with Scooby-Doo Game still. I'm struggling because we all just sort of assumed that I think the viewers sort of assumed that Marco did it. So is YNR now just going through and tying up loose ends so that they can confirm with us that Marco was the real killer or are they actually going to reveal what the truth is about it now it's been since February just come out with it YNR, whatever it is um Nathan left a comment for me on YouTube saying hey Allie this is the second time I've watched your review and you are great at what you do thank you Thank you, Nathan. Um, with what's going on with the show as of right now, I feel that the writing is off the wall and in a bad way, so that's not good despite the ratings. I heard that Chuck Pratt and the executive producer Jill Farron-Phelps are undergoing contract renegotiations. I just hope YNR can get better writing. So I'd love to know from everyone is that, do we know that uh, our executive producer and our head writer are revising and, and renegotiating their contracts right now? I'd love to know the answer and I'd I'd love to have a confirmation of that because I will admit. I'd love to see the writing take a different direction too <laughs> you know I don't want to like bash on the people because they put a lot of effort I mean no matter what not everything on YNR sucks a lot of it is good there are definitely some things that drive me crazy but there's there's definitely some good in with the bad so I don't want to bash anybody in their efforts because I mean at the end of the day I, I have to respect and appreciate everybody involved because they do a good job they put on a good show and it can't be easy I mean five hours a week you know five episodes a week has got got to be a grueling schedule and I'm it's a lot of content to have to come with up with so I don't want to you know be too bad but there is a part of me that kind of wishes that we could quietly usher in sort of a new regime or give it a shot in the arm or something I, I, I am kind of also wishing for a little something different. Um, Beatrice left me a voicemail uh, saying Paul's heart attack is just the same as Ashley's brain tumor. They're going to sweep right over that. YNR has so many mini storylines that they don't even finish the main storylines. I, 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 that's exactly how I'm feeling, too, because when the Paul heart attack thing happened, I thought there's no way they're going to pick up on this. It's just kind of a plot device, and it feels a lot like YNR is always looking for that shock, like oh, Paul's having a heart attack. Back in the day, and maybe this is just me getting old and being an old grumpy soap viewer, but back in the day that Paul had a heart attack they would have lashed onto that and it would have been the story for two weeks or more and it's just not like that anymore and you know there's good and bad with that I mean there's definitely something annoying about uh, something being dragged out for forever but um, but yeah I, I know what you're saying and I totally agree um, another point that Beatrice had mentioned actually two more points um, in her voicemail was um, it, it, this intrigued me was the idea that maybe Phyllis could end up pregnant now um i feel like phyllis maybe had some trouble conceiving but that means nothing um, as far as that would probably be a retcon right um but uh, i i thought that might be an interesting twist and i and i would have um predicted that maybe that would have been the way that she found out that uh marco was out there and was sleeping with her although now we're getting uh that we're getting the reveal but it's interesting that they made a point of showing jack having sex with phyllis Um, uh, upstairs this week because certainly she could end up pregnant and certainly we could be wondering who that baby daddy was. Uh, In other news too that Beatrice had, uh, had alerted me to that I didn't know is that Michelle Morgan is pregnant. The actress who plays Hillary. So the reason I, that YNR is kind of transitioning us into this wedding uh, fiasco, Devon getting framed storyline, is because the actress is going to eventually going to need to be uh, ushered off screen so that she can have her uh, maternity time. So that's great. I mean, congratulations, Michelle Morgan. I think she's great. I, I really um, have grown to like her a whole lot. Uh, so I think what we're, uh, but I think it's sort of an indicator of what. We're we're going to end up seeing with Devon and Hillary. More than likely, we're going to see something get blown up with that wedding. Uh, Hillary's going to find out what Devon did, even though he didn't really do it. And uh, she's possibly going to leave town for a little while. Okay, you guys, I don't know how long I've been talking, but I'm guessing it's longer than normal. (laughs) Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed it, Uh, the YNR chat, and of course, YNR, and I hope that you leave me some comments. I love hearing from you guys. I read every single comment that comes in. I listen to every single voicemail that comes in, so please don't be shy. You can go to yrchat.com, and from there, you can find the YouTube channel if you want to see the video and leave and read comments on YouTube. There are a lot of comments that you can also read in addition to to, um, to 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 leaving me comments and it's also I think kind of cool to see all the different perspectives so you can go to yrchat.com to find YouTube you can find Facebook, you can find Twitter, you can find the link to the podcast um, and you can even just leave a comments for me on the blog and see what I've got going on there I try to put up funny photos and, um, and all that and actually if you want to follow on Twitter and Facebook uh, I usually post links to all of the extra stuff I do Uh, and uh, let's see you can also call the voicemail 309-588-4569 I love hearing from you guys I really appreciate the feedback and I hope that everybody has a good week I'll see you next Sunday bye